ass west so quick. Under 50 gun it, I'ma run it in the fast lane, fast lanes, watch me like a man. Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Brian Ray and our special guest, someone I grew up listening to, we all grew up listening to uh, from WFAN, um, one of the most popular guys on the show, on the network, one of our favorites, uh, Evan Roberts. How you doing, man? That makes me feel old. I appreciate it. But when I hear I grew up listening, it, I know, it's you like, started it young. me. You started young. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think I'm that much younger than you, honestly. I think you just started young, which is what I want to get into. I appreciate you coming on, but like, your story to me is the most interesting because I remember hearing you when you were like 20, 21 on the fan and like we were almost the same age. And I'm like, damn, here I am listening to this guy and he knows the shit. like it was almost like very relatable because you were our age. So I do want to know like your backstory, how you got into the fan and now you started radio in general. Well, it started when I was about eight years old because I grew up listening to WFAN. I loved it. I loved it. I was obsessed. And I applied for a job as an eight year old because I was delusional. So I sent the tapes thinking, hey, maybe, maybe thinking, they'll hey, hire me. I mean, why, why the hell not? And what it turned into is an opportunity to fill it on the Imus in the morning show. So it was kind of a uh, like a one time thing. But that was like the way, way beginning of a radio career. Um, and from that moment, that's when I got to meet who eventually became my boss, Mark Chernoff. And then while doing other radio jobs. I worked at XM Satellite Radio in the early 2000s when it first launched, Sirius Radio uh, down in Baltimore doing sports. I would always continue to say, hey, I'd love a chance at the fan. And I would always send demo tapes. And most of the time, the response would be, oh, that, that's great. You know, send one another year from now. And then finally, they gave me a shot. So really, it, it kind of began as a, as a joke as an eight-year-old. Yeah. And then eventually I was able to work my way back and get a couple of fill in shifts. And I was fortunate enough to be promoted and get the opportunity to work with Joe. But I grew up listening to the station, man, like like I'm sure you guys have. And that's where it started, like from the moment, just as a sports fan with my dad, I, I always said, boy, this is what I want to do. And I'm lucky enough to have been able to do it. No, it's really cool. And like so eight years old, though, what? demos did you send it like what did or you apply for a job so were you like recording yourself announcing games yeah games and stuff i was a i was a sick kid man so like what i would do is i would record wfan's commercials so that i would do my own wfan at home so i would kind of do my own fake sports talk show but i had their commercials that i recorded i i I mean, that's how sick I was because I wanted to make sure it sounded legit. So I'd play the commercials and I, I never really recorded any of this. It was just this is what I did in my room. Uh, I don't remember what I did on the demo. I may have like sent me doing a show or it may have been a sports update. I don't actually remember, but I do know that as a kid in my bedroom, I would you know make believe I was on WFAN. Uh, so I was a sick kid. I that's, where it, that's where it all starts, though, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't do that? You, you see, like if you're you're a young kid, I remember the first thing. One of the things that I did, I remember I heard uh, Notorious B.I.G. and then I was like, I want to be a rapper, and right. I take my remote and I be in the mirror doing this. Right, it's the same thing. I mean, I still when, do that. When Chris yeah. Cross came out, I would wear backwards pants with, with my <laughs> brother and act like I was Chris Cross. So it's not that great. Right. It really, yeah. It's not That's that what I did, just like you guys. So I guess it was just uh, imitating what I heard, really. Uh, well, what I like about you, Evan, is you're very like, as I mentioned earlier, you're relatable. I feel like when you listen, when we listen to you, me personally, it's like 
being one of the guys, just being at a bar bullshitting and stuff like that. But I know you're a Howard Stern fan. So I want to ask, because I was a big Opie and Anthony fan, Jim Norton fan. And like when we started podcasting or even like rap and Brian and I, you have a tendency to like emulate who you grew up listening to, whether it was us with Eminem or me with Jim Norton with this comedy. And finally, like you right. eventually like come into your own. So like when you started doing your radio, did you try to emulate anyone and like have to find your own voice? I, I think even to this day, there are small little bits of so many different people in radio that I try to, I guess, learn from. I don't know if it's emulate, but but learn from. I think there are times, you know, when I'm ranting about sports teams that my Beningo comes out. Mm-hmm. I think there are times in which my Francesca comes out. <laughs> so I think like every WFA and host I ever listened to, there are little parts of all of them that are with me with Stern. What, what I really took mostly from Howard is his ability to interview people. I mean, he's the greatest interviewer of all time. So, you know, I'm, I'm not like a, even close to what he is. So I, I think I, I'm, I'm truly who I am. Like the way I am on the radio is the way I talk to my wife sometimes about sports when I'm explaining, you know, how pissed I am that the Nets didn't show up against the Bucks. But I think as far as, uh, you know, emulating people, I think there's a small part of like every person I've ever listened to Rush Limbaugh, who's no longer on this planet. And I used to listen to him back in the day because he was a brilliant radio guy. It wasn't even the politics of it. He was a guy who could monologue for three hours straight. So I'm sure there are moments when I'm on the air where there's a little bit of Rush Limbaugh that comes out of me. So I think it's anyone I've ever listened to and admired and respected. There's like a small part of them uh, in when I try to do a show. That's awesome, man. Wow. So when, when you went with Beningo, I have to ask, too, because that was to me. And, like, I love the fan. I love the shows. But to me, the 10 to 1 slot was my favorite show of all time. You're 10 to 1 with Beningo. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, I love I love Carter Roberts. I, I love Boomer and Geo. But the 10 to 1 slot. So how was it? I felt like the dynamic was great. Now, when you were, like, asked that work with someone a little older did you know it would work that well or were you kind of nervous because like the stuff he would bring up you weren't necessarily relating to from the 50s and 60s or were you comfortable with it well i was i was nervous because i listened to joe growing up so the idea of doing a show with joe beningo at first was like oh my god that's that's crazy and i had only met him a couple of times he made it really easy because he was like the nicest guy in the world and we had an instant bond because the Mets and Jets, like specifically right out of the gate, the two teams. We're both miserable. Yeah, we're both miserable, <laughs> miserable human beings. Um, but I've, I've always loved the history of sports. I've always read about it. I've always been obsessed with it. And so when he would bring up things, either I would know it or I would just want to learn because you know I'm sitting there reading books about the 50s anyway. So to be able to sit next to a walking encyclopedia next to a guy who experienced it and like remembers plays from the AFL championship game. Um, I wasn't intimidated by that aspect of it. I, I took it as this is awesome. Like this is someone who I admire and I feel like I'm very similar to. So I never was, uh, I, I was never intimidated by that. I think at first it was just being intimidated by working with Joe because you know, I grew up listening to the guy and it was like, Oh my God, am I going to be able to do a show with him? And uh, but he made it so easy, and that's why early on I felt comfortable from the beginning ending up doing it with him. Yeah, you guys were an old. I miss Joe. Yeah. I don't know, like I do. I, I miss Joe's rants at times. There's times I still go back and hear him rant about Manish Mehta, 
and I just listen <laughs> on YouTube. I really do. I go down a rabbit hole of Domingo rants. It's it's weird. What I, I, what I do is I just randomly call him and then just let him rant to me. And I'm like, oh, this is, feels like we're doing the midday show again. It's just great. leave it on speaker and walk around the room and just do all this shit. <laughs> Just like, hey, how do you feel about the Jets? Oh, bro, I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Beningo's are great. Uh, pass it to Brian. Uh, Brian, if you got anything. When, when you guys are doing shows, how much of it, uh, like, what is the structure? Like, is there, like, if you're going on at a certain time, are they giving you, like, okay, hit these bullet points? Or is it kind of just, you know, stick with the local stuff, but throw yourself in there to, like, your opinions and everything? Oh, what's great is doing a show with the fan, whether it was with Joe, whether it's a show by myself or the show with Craig, no one tells us anything. You know, we basically do what we want to do, what we think is right. And then hopefully it's successful, obviously. <laughs> you know, when we're not successful, then we'll be told, don't do this or don't do that. So you really have the, the power and I guess the trust from management to know, okay, what do people want to hear? Uh, what should you talk about? Some days are more complicated than others. I'm going to do a a Saturday show tomorrow and, or, and I apologize for whenever you're taping this, but the Saturday into January 8th, I guess would be the way to describe it. And there's nothing obvious that would be my lead. You know, so sometimes it's days like that where you say, eh, maybe I'm going to open up with uh, the giants or maybe it's, you know, Julius Randall, or it's maybe it's the fact that Nets suck. You know, there's a lot of options and you just kind of trust yourself that, you hit on what most people want to hear, but it's a challenge, man, because we live in such an eclectic mix of town where there are so many different teams and so many different sports and so many different, I don't care about this, but I do care about that. You're never going to please everybody. There's nothing you can talk about that's going to make everybody happy. So I kind of like that challenge, but it's, it's really up to, to us as hosts to kind of determine uh, the feel of that day. All right, what should we talk about and when should we talk about it? Hey, Evan, I'm still waiting for some uh, New York Red Bull talk, and it never comes up. <laughs> I'm, I'm pissed NYCFC won as a Red Bull fan. It bothers me, but that's for another day. Well, Brian mentioned, though, with the layout, I, I always wanted to ask that, that 20-minute monologue, because there's been times we did a Shark uh, Expert Month, and I there was times Brian couldn't make a show. I had to do one myself, and Brian's done some himself. It is very hard to carry a show yourself, to just talk. That 20-minute monologue, is that the hardest part for you when you do your solo Saturday shows? No. That's the the hardest part is to make sure I don't babble for 40 minutes. Okay. I, so I, maybe it is the hardest part because <laughs> you want to keep people interested. Um, I, don't find that, I don't find that hard. Um, I think so, the, the hardest thing is, is probably what I mentioned before, and that's making sure that you are keeping everybody's attention yeah. because that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do when there isn't an obvious dominant topic. It's not easy to do when you know that 20% of your audience is going to say, I don't give a crap about the giants. They suck. We already know it. Or, you know, 80% of the audience has stopped talking. That's nobody cares. Like, you know what I mean? So I always find if, if, if I had to answer, like, what's the most challenging thing, it's probably making sure that whatever you're talking about, people care about. But I also live by the thought that if you're passionate enough about it, you'll make people care. You'll, you'll hopefully people will sit by and say, yeah, I don't really care about this, but that guy seems to care a lot and is making an interesting point. So I always find that more challenging than just the idea of talking. Cause as you could probably tell, talking is easy for me. I just, I can babble on and on and on. And sometimes I got to stop myself and slap myself across the face and say, can you shut up now? Especially when there's times I'm sure you deal with it. We all do. And like, um, 
uh, the Cowboys, I'll go upstairs. I'm a Cowboy fan, and I'll talk to my wife. This could be our year. And she's like, I really don't care, like, what you're talking about. Like, you know, <laughs> and I'm explaining, trying to explain, like, how, you know, this is magic this year and years past. And she's like, okay, great. So there's times you got to talk to yourself, right? Yes. The people yes. around you, you know, it, they're I happy mean, for you, but they don't really know about I, it. I love my wife. And I think one of the best things that uh, connections that we have is that she doesn't like sports. I agree. Like, I think that was perfect for me looking back yeah. on it. I think me I needed too, that. Right? I love it. Uh, yeah, because it, it also helps when I don't have to sit there breaking down a brutal loss. Like I, I dated a girl once who was a diehard sports fan. And you think that's great on the surface, but then you end up doing post-game shows after games <sighs> in which you're like, I don't want to think about this crap anymore. So, yeah. At least she was your girlfriend. Like, you're not doing it to some random guy in quick check. Like, when the Eagles lose a game, I'm sitting there yelling at the cashier <laughs> about it. He has no idea what the hell I'm even talking about. What was I do have one question because I've heard a lot of people say this and I think we agree on it too. Since you made the switch with Craig, it feels like a different side of you came out too. Like a side that, like when you were with Joe, we never got to see, and now with Craig, you're like kind of more of a open, just a different person. What was the hardest part about working or switching from Joe to Craig and try to mesh with each one? Um, it's, it's such a different show. And I kind of knew that going in, I think that, you know, it's funny. I think the biggest adjustment and I'm already used to it is that the show I did with Joe from a radio standpoint, I more led and I would kind of lead into topics and with Craig and he told me from the beginning and I respected it, that he's always so used to leading. And I was like, that's fine. I mean, you make adjustments in life and you make adjustments in roles, like being an NBA player, like maybe with one team, you're a point guard, maybe you're off ball with another team. So I actually think that radio aspect was probably the biggest adjustment I made in terms of my personality. I am who I am because I've had people say to me, maybe negatively, you're different. You've changed. I'm not, I haven't changed a damn way. I'm the same person. I may just talk about different things. Like you said, I may show a different side because we're having discussions that maybe Joe and I weren't having on the radio. Right. Well, you weren't, you weren't pouring milk on yourself with Benigno. That's true. But you know what? If it was ever a situation in which we thought it would bring good luck to, let's say, the Jets or a team that we root together for, I would have done it. It's right. not something that I just decided to do. But... <laughs> I honestly, I think other than that radio aspect of it, the adjustments just been, you know, getting used to it's a very different kind of show. And, yeah. you know, I still get people commenting like, oh, it's just so different. I'm like, yes, I, I, I know. Now, maybe some people like it more. Maybe some people don't like it. I, I respect that. There's always going to be different views on it. But what I've always tried to do is be the same person and just let out a different side of me. And that, that's really all it is. We just talk about much different things. And so different things come out of me. So it sounds so, you know, extreme, but the truth is anything I've said to Craig over the last year and a half, I thought three years ago, it's just Joe and I did a very, very different kind of show. Yeah. You know, different ain't always bad though. And you gotta you know, like, take the negative comments with the grain of salt. There's like I always say, there's a ratio. There's 350 million people in this country, and even if you get one percent who likes you, that's 3.5 million fans. If that, if my math is correct, right? My math. It's a good way to look at it. I like that. I'm gonna use that someday. That's 3.5 million fans. So if 99 percent of the people in this country don't like you, who gives a shit? You're still have you still 
million fans, right? That's a great way to look at that. I'm going to explain that to my wife okay, next now, time she gets upset. Personally, I haven't even reached the threshold of five fans, but it is what it is. I'll get there, you know? That Joe, uh, or sorry, Kevin. Wow. See, I'm, I'm all mixed up with Joe now. I'm all crazy. Kevin, I want to talk about the present right now uh, a little bit. Uh, how do you feel about the buck? I know you talked about it a bit, but do you feel like this um, this unluckiness of the Mets is changing? I'm a Yankee fan, by the way, so I root against you guys heavily. I'm one of those fans. I, I don't like the Mets being good, but I like Buck. I feel like he got unlucky with the Yanks and the Diamondbacks, so it's like it sucks because I have to root for him now. So are you feeling this is changing now, the unluckiness? you got a guy who spends money. Are you excited? Uh, well, yes, I am very, very excited. I love what they've done this offseason, mostly the Max Scherzer thing. Yeah. The one thing I'm still hesitant about is this idea of the bad luck of the Mets has changed. Last year, they were owned by Steve Cohen. They made the big deal for Francisco Lindor. They had an offseason that I, for the most part, liked. And yet the season was very Met-like, let's be honest, from being in first place for as long as they were to the just horrific collapse that they had to there being kind of like an embarrassing story, it seemed, every few weeks. So I'm not ready to just say, let's forget who we are as Met fans, where we're always thinking bad stuff's going to happen because that hasn't proven that it's just going to go away. But talking realistically, just giving thoughts on what we've seen, of course I love the offseason. The Mets have an owner that's willing to spend like Steinbrenner used to spend. Yeah. And that is amazing. I mean, the idea that they signed Max Scherzer still boggles my mind. The Showalter hire, I thought was a fine hire. I'm not as you know crazy about it as some other Mets fans are. And I don't mean that as in I wouldn't have hired him. Just it's a manager. Like, yeah. I'm not going to act as if this is going to make like a 10 game difference. And I also don't want people to think, and I think a lot of Mets fans do, that Buck Showalter is an old school guy and he's bringing back 1980s managing. He's not. They're going to rely on saber metrics. They are going to ignore batting average. They are going to work with their front office on putting lineups together. Like, he's a good person in terms of us listening to him and trusting him and not screwing up lineups the way Mickey Callaway used to or not understanding what's going on in the locker room the way uh, Rojas did. But let's not act like this is 1985 here. Yeah. And he's going to hold people accountable. Like, he's not going to put up the bullshit between, like, Lindor and um, McCall last year in the, the tunnel. He's the type of guy, he's like, a, he'll just give them a look and they know. Like, he's going to be that type of guy. That aspect of Buck is is great. I mean, he's yeah. told stories about Adam Jones where early on he said to Adam, you're going to hustle. And Adam listened to him, and he got the most out of him. So I like the hire. I just think that we need to keep perspective on the reality of the hire. That's all. Yeah. Evan, now you, you've had some, um, uh, as a fan, bad losses as a Met fan, the Beltron uh, strikeout, the Jets AFC championship. What's your happiest? <laughs> I want to be happy here. What's your happiest moment as a fan? Sorry to bring this up at such a late time in the. Yeah, you just like rattle it down here. Let me make yeah. you upset. Right after yeah. the Nets lost by thirty two tonight, like. I love. I love how you're like. Tell me a happy moment, but first, let me rattle. Yeah, off. right. All the bad ones. You know, it, it's funny. I, I I don't know if I'm in the minority on this, but I feel like the losses become more painful and more happy the older I get. I've heard a lot of people say, ah, I don't feel the same way as I was when I was a kid. 
I'm different. And I think it's because I've won nothing. And so the older I get, the more I think to myself, I'm never going to see anybody win anything. I'm just going to die and I won't see a championship. So this may sound surprising to give you such a recent moment for happiness, but I think it's game five against the Dodgers in the divisional series in 15 when Jacob DeGrom showed balls of stone fighting yeah. through trouble throughout that game and then the bullpen and familiating six outs. And it was a scintillating game. It was an insane game. I, I couldn't sit. And I remember the feeling after Familia got that last out was just, just raw excitement. So I don't know. For some reason, that game, because it's a game five, it's a winner take all. There's no margin for error. That game is probably the happiest I've been. And look, there are other moments I've been happy for. I mean, going into New England and the playoffs, going to San Diego and beating the Chargers in the playoffs for the Jets, the Nets getting to their first NBA finals, the Mets winning a couple of pennants. But I think if I had to pick one, it's probably game five against the Dodgers. The raw emotion and excitement of winning that game. I would have thought you said when Brock Lesnar won the title Saturday night. <laughs> That's a close third, baby. <laughs> I, you know, I heard you say something on the fan today, which uh, they kind of give you shit for returning. You mentioned that DeGrom was your favorite Met of all time, and he's fairly new. I relate to that. I'm a Cowboy fan, and my favorite Cowboy is Tony Romo of all time. And he's a fairly new guy. Because, like, the, the, the shit they almost dealt with and you felt like more of a connection to him, defending him for so long. So, like, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like the newer school, and he's my favorite of all time. So, like, I want to jump into one more weird thing with you, uh, bringing up, like, uh, something, something that uh, people don't agree with. Uh, I've owned a Billy Cundiff cowboy jersey, and I love to ask this. What's the weirdest jersey you've ever owned as a fan for the Jets or Mets? Yeah, Billy well. That one. I, think you, I think you'll find this weird. I don't. Rico Bronia. I have a Rico wow. Mets jersey. Um, actually, you know what? That's not the weirdest. I have a Josh Tolley Mets jersey. He was the backup catcher who caught R.A. Dickey's no-hitter. But the only reason I got that, it was it was a game-used jersey, and it was discounted. And I was like, why not? Maybe Josh Tolley's going to become a star. But probably in terms of liking a player genuinely, I'd say Rico Brony. I loved him as a kid. He was a great defensive first baseman. He could pick it over there. Left-handed bat like me. Uh, couldn't hit. Well, he ended up having some offensive success. I couldn't hit. But probably Rico Brony would fit the bill. That's that's pretty good. What about Jets? I've I don't think it's weird. So maybe maybe this won't qualify, but I, I have grown to really appreciate Mo Lewis for the crap he gets for the hit on uh, Drew Bledsoe and the, NFL. the Brady yeah. era. The Brady era. The Brady era. You mean the Brady the Brady century? The Brady. Well, the I mean the era is an older guy. The luckily the Brady league. <laughs> I. I thought Mo was such a good Jet, so I think after the fact, I looked at it and said the disrespect he gets for doing nothing wrong. I mean, it's not his fault the guy got freaking hurt. I don't think he was he was even penalized on that play. So, Mo Lewis may be my answer with that. All right, let's let me say, never give up hope. I was, I'm an Eagles fan. I was an Eagle fan since I was five years old, so I went 30 years of a lot of, like, misery. Oh, yeah. I never thought I was going to get to see it. And let me tell you, and I try to explain that to Scott because he's almost at that certain age since the last time Dallas won a championship. 
part of you. Let's not misses- get on me here. This is my show. I don't want to feel bad. Right? Yeah, this is a brother rivalry, in case you haven't noticed. Eagles, Cowboys. But I'm aware. <laughs> part of you misses the chase. It's a weird thing, and I always try to tell people this, that when you finally win it, it's great. Like, you know, you're on cloud nine, but, like, part of you misses that that chase in a way of like kind of being upset and just chasing it and chasing it and then hoping that one day you win it. It's a weird thing, but we've yeah. seen the Red Sox. Think about it. We've seen the Red Sox and the Cubs win a championship in our lifetime when those some fans didn't even see one of those. Right. So it will happen. I, I really want to see the Jets win, not the Mets, but the Mets I could care less about. I, I appreciate that at least one of my teams you care about winning. I, I And I understand what you're saying. Except I understand what you're saying because I just want a championship. I'm not going to long for the chase. Look, if one of my teams wins a title, I'll get the chase from the other teams that haven't won a title. If the Brooklyn Nets win the title this year, they won't. But let's say they did. I'll still have the Met chase. I'll still have the Jet chase. You know what I mean? So just give me one. All right. And I'll worry about the chase. I I will say, Evan, as a. Penguins, Kansas Jayhawks, Yankee fan. It is really tough on me. Okay. Such a mouth. It is really tough on me. You forget you left the Knicks out for some reason. Well, because they don't do anything for me. (laughs) I only want the. What have you done for me lately? That's how I am, Evan. When Jeter retired, I didn't care. Move on. See ya. I want the next guy in. I I have no loyalty at all to my players. I have a loyalty to the team because the players come and go. That logo is there forever. That's how I look at it. We are fans of our teams before players get there and after they're gone. That is true. Our love for our teams lasts longer than our marriages. I guess. I gotta tell you, you know what? This is this is what sports does. So I'm a Steelers fan, right? And Ben Roethlisberger is the first quarterback that I've watched the entirety of his career. All the games, all the the winnings, all the law, the bad losses, and stuff like that. When that game was over on Monday night, and he was walking around the field, I almost cried. Legitimately. I started. I get that. I get that. I mean, yeah, I, I totally like, get that. Yes. It's it's a it's a a feeling. I guess if you're not really like you're not in love with the team or just the sport, it's a lot that people don't understand about it. You know, because somebody could walk by and be like, "He's just retiring." You'll get another quarterback next year, and it's like, "Oh, no, you nah. understand?" Unless you're a Packer fan, you don't know what that's like. Right. It is what it is. Like 30 years. I mean, I went from Romo to Dak, so I'm fairly fortunate, you know? But yeah. it's hard, man. It's really hard. I, I hope that 15 years from now, I'm crying about Zach Wilson's retirement saying, oh, Zach, I love everything you did for me for a decade and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like, and I'm sure you can't say out loud, but the things you'd give up for a Super Bowl, it's a lot. Um, and there's the, like, I, I told my, I, like, l- listen, if, if someone wanted to body slam my mother into a table and it meant a Cowboy Super Bowl, mom, you, you gotta bite the bullet on this. Take one for the team, mom, please. It's terrible. It's like sitting in your car and visualizing them actually winning how you would react, like, in your own head. Just sitting at a red light, like just visualizing it. I've thought about that. I think I'm going to cry like a baby. 
That's my thought. I think I'm just going to start hysterically crying. Or you'll be speechless and in shock. Maybe. Maybe. I, I think it depends like, how it happens, too. Like, yeah. is it a championship that you can, you know, like you blow a team out in a game yeah. five or something? You can kind of, what if it's just a moment in game seven, you know? So I, I think a lot of it is like, how do you get there? I, what one, one, wait, what one, what one, now either Marshawn Lynch, that Super Bowl, or the Falcons blowing theirs, if you were a Jets fan of either mm. one of those teams, what would well, you what would have, yeah, Raymond, I'm like, not kidding. I was just about to ask that. Really? <laughs> I said I would have had to see a therapist. Yeah, I, I think it's the Falcons because there's more than one play that would haunt me. At, yeah. If I do this right, I win. Mm. If I don't do this, I win. I think with the Lynch play, it's obvious it's one play. It's one decision that was made. It was one mistake. And, yes, it would haunt me. But I almost think that having so many, because when you go back to that Atlanta game and the way they blew that, there were five different things. And I'm being generous. It's like seven or eight different things that happened. And if one of those things doesn't happen, they don't blow it. Right. Yeah. And so I think that one would probably crush my soul more. Now, now you could argue, too. I hate to retract and bring up bad memories. That Julio Jones catch was as good as the Andy Chavez catch that never get remembered. You know what I mean? No, it's true. It, it is. I know. I know it. it, it listen, it, there, there are things that to me don't even matter when you don't win. Like Kevin Durant had this amazing game five against the yeah. box, like this incredible yeah. performance. And I remember even thinking it at the time and saying it at the time. This was amazing. This was a religious experience, but it means nothing if they don't win the series. And obviously the Andy Chavez catching an individual game, the John Starks dunk. If you're a Nick fan, like, yeah, I become bitter about those things because I didn't win. So as soon as I think about it, I think about the other stuff that happened that causes me pain. Right. And then you got the like for us, it's the Soriano home run in the top of the eighth with the Diamondbacks. No, no you know why that doesn't apply? Why not? Because you won the effing World Series in 1998, <laughs> 1999, yeah, and 2000. Well, so kiss my ball. ass. I want them all. No, okay, here's one. Here's a good one. What about... um? No, the Soriano one. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. I'm fairly fortunate with my teams. I mean, I've seen... Fairly fortunate? <laughs> I've seen three Stanley Cups. Uh, oh. I mean, do you think I'm a frontrunner? Penguins, Cowboys, yeah. Yankees, Kansas Jayhawks? It sounds that way, but if you gave me some kind of weird story that says that you're not, I guess it, you may not be, I but... A, I was a Jock Vaughn fan in 1994 uh, <laughs> for Kansas. That's how I became a Kansas fan. And my dad and my dad threatened to kick us out of the house when we were like four years old. It was you like the Yankees, or you don't live here. Any other sport, you can choose who you want. Oh, nice. That was the rule. I feel like when you're a kid, though, you're a product of whoever's good at the time. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're yeah. Evan, then <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say when I grew up, nobody was good. Like I, I didn't get any product. The Islanders were decent, right? Not really. Nah, but when I was when I started learning about them, like 1993 was my first year of remembering them, and they obviously went on that great run. Yeah, but after that, what the hell did they do? That was their last series win for a decade and a half. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. Hey, you beat the Penguins two straight years in the playoffs, though, right? So good for you. The you know, 93 run was. I mean, look, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals just like they have the last two years. So. The Islanders sort of, but after that, they got swept by the Rangers the following year, and then they did nothing for basically multiple decades. So, 
Okay. I don't know. Nobody was really good on, for me. Well, back to the play, like you said, the immaculate reception. I'm pretty sure Kenny Stabler had an amazing run before that play. Nobody remembers. It was like a, it was like in a 17 sweep. You remember? Yeah yards and broke three tackles so it's like you said the greatest play of all time supposedly is like no one understands what happened before it is crazy history is written by the winners man you gotta win that that was potentially illegal it was illegal it was illegal yes evan no 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 potentially it's the steelers he's a steeler fan we have a Steeler. yeah i get you yeah. Shocking how there's no proper camera angle of it either. Evan, now I have a gripe with Gilbert Brown in my lifetime, right? He's my number one enemy. It's been well documented. <laughs> Gilbert Brown and Stuart Rootbeer are my top two enemies of all time. Uh, uh, Stuart Rootbeer refused to give me change for meter parking in 2010, and I've refused to eat at the establishment since. <laughs> Brown. <laughs> Gilbert, Gilbert, I'm sorry I'm a sociopath if you haven't noticed yet. Brown, uh, we went to Lambeau Field for the Dez catch, my father and I, because he's a Packer fan. First time ever at Lambeau. So I meet Gilbert Brown, and he ref- we bought a helmet, and he refused to sign it for me because I have a Cowboy jersey on. And I go, yo, like, I, you know, I'm a big fan of you regardless of what team I like. He goes, no. And I go, I almost got a fight with Gilbert Brown. My dad had to pull me away. And I go, who does this guy think he is, Reggie White? And my dad goes, my dad goes, my dad goes son, this guy is 6'5", 400 pounds. You're going to get killed. So I have to ask, is there any athlete? My friends hate Ruben Vera, so that's one. Is there any athlete, a New York athlete like Tavares leaving, you sure. despise or you have an issue with? Roger Clemens. I can't stand him. Is there a I tried. Uh, I tried to pick a fight with him on Twitter the other day. It just didn't work. Like <laughs> he did this whole thing about, "Hey, um, I'm back at Twitter. Uh, help me out here." And so people were tweeting him videos of him like doing something amazing, the, the twenty strikeout game, whatever. So I tweeted at him, him throwing a bat at Mike Piazza, <laughs> hoping he'd respond to it. I can't get over that. I just can't get over the fact that that steroided up. Fat-headed douche threw a bat at Mike Piazza in the midst of the World Series. Oh, he also said I thought it was the ball, which makes it even weirder. Because why would yeah? You- why would you throw the ball at him? That, like I've never interviewed Roger Clemens. We were about to have him on Joe and I years ago, right. and the PR person said, "We just want to let you know you can't ask about steroids." Mm. And I said, "Well, we're not putting him on." And, and yeah. what, what's so frustrating about it was we may never got had gotten a steroids. Because the first thing I was going to say to him was, hey, Roger, why'd you throw a bat at Mike Piazza? And I was going to really go after him. And who knows? Maybe it would have ended so badly that he would have hung up and I never would have asked him about freaking steroids. Well, Evan, so, you're smart, though. At least you would have been great radio. You tried to pick a fight on Twitter. I tried to fight Gilbert Brown in person. Well, so you're you know, an idiot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was your. I mean, that's what happens. He met Charlie Sheen the night before, like when he was Charlie Sheening. Yeah. I, that's what happens when you hang out with him. The next day, you think you can well, fight a lion. And also, also, here's my issue with you and the, the Gilbert Brown thing yeah. is you're picking a fight for a stupid reason. 
Like, who yeah, cares if he doesn't sign a helmet? No, 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 no. I'm picking a fight with Roger Clemens because he's a douchebag who threw a bat at Mike Piazza. We bought, we bought merchandise because he had plastic shovels because, let's not forget, he's the grave digger. Ooh, the grave digger. <laughs> so he was selling plastic shovels like we were building sandcastles, and I had to buy a plastic shovel and a helmet just to get in line so he could sign something at a Brett far fucking outdoor Lambeau field shit where pasta was frozen because it was negative six degrees and then he doesn't sign it. I mean, this I, is all your fault. Why did you even feel the need to buy any of that garbage? Why? That's a fair point. Yeah. I have no response to that. That's a fair. Thank point. you. It's all your fault. Okay, it really fine. is. And, and then Dez dropped the ball. So it was just a bad weekend. Stewart's yeah. root beer and now is number one, Gilbert Brown. I forgive me. You can thank him. <laughs> You've been downgraded. <laughs> You've been downgraded. Evan, man, I appreciate you coming on. I just have a couple more questions. We sort of do a gun to your head. We haven't done one in a while, but it's a little. It's a couple quick questions. I just want to give you some uh, uh, firing questions, answer them really quick. Um, all right. Uh, I know you're uh, a historian. You're very traditional, and which I like because I saw your email you gave me, and it was an AOL address. I have an AIM address, so I think me and you are pretty alike. Like I don't change right. it because everything is locked into my damn AIM right. Address. I agree. Yeah. So why change it, right? So I know you keep a scorebook at baseball games, which is I don't even keep a scorebook mm. at softball games when I play because like I I cheat. People say I cheat. I don't, but it is what it is. So if you could get a game used signed Mike Piazza bat that he used and see oh, come on free because I know you have season tickets. Would you give up doing a scorebook ever again in your life? No, no. not even no question. Zero no shot. It's a tradition, right? So you would choose a scorebook over all the free stuff. Hundred not there's nothing you could yeah. give me that would get me to a give up any of my scorebooks that I've filled out and collected over the years or telling me to not do it anymore. I've been doing it since I was seven years old. I love it. People can say it's geeky. I don't give a rat's ass. I love it. And there's nothing you could offer me that would get me to stop or trade in any of my scorebooks. Nothing. Wow. All right. What do you do with other, uh, aside from baseball, like, do you do anything like that if you go to football or basketball or hockey or anything? I, I do things, but not to the same extent where I have to do it. Like, any baseball game I go to, I score. Like, I yeah. can't even remember the last baseball game I went to where I didn't. And, like, look, there are some games on TV I, I won't score, but then a lot of times if I'm planning on sitting down and watching my entire Met game, which is basically every night, I'm going to score it. Like, there are certain things especially in relation to being on the air where I may take notes just so I remember certain things, but nothing along the lines of scoring the way I do baseball. Now, do you do it in pen? Are you that bold pen? You damn right. I do. That is, I, 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 I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, listen, I I, I don't think I have a lot of skills in this world. Okay. I really don't. (laughs) Maybe I'm okay. at a couple of things. I am a damn good scorebook keeper. Okay. (laughs) So I don't need erasers. I don't need a white out, though sometimes I do, but rarely. So give me the freaking pen. Let's go. Are you old school with the white out with the brush, right? It's the yeah. brush right now. I mean, that's Damn right I am. Good. That's probably why I failed a lot of classes in middle school. Sniffing <laughs> <laughs> that stuff. It wasn't bad. <laughs> it smells good. I'm gonna give oh, it smells great. I'm gonna give you every sport and I want you to really quickly throw out who you think is gonna be the champion of each sport. Hockey. The New York Rangers. 
No, I'm kidding. I think the Lightning are going to win again. How about that? No, you know what? Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers. Okay, would you like to? Is that your final answer after three? No, I was busting balls about the Rangers. So that one definitely isn't true. Uh, I was thinking lightning, but I was like, man, can they really do it again? The Panthers have been awesome. I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers. Okay, football. The Kansas City Chiefs. Agree with that basketball. Here we go. The Phoenix (laughs) Suns. Yeah. They're on a mission. They're on a mi- I, I am fully convinced of this. They're right. They have that look that certain teams had after losing. The yeah, Royals yep. had it in 2015. The yep. Spurs had it after they got knocked off by Ray Allen and the big three. The Suns have that look. The Penguins had it in 09 when they lost to the Red Wings in 08. I remember. So <laughs> baseball. The New York Mets. Nah, the baseball one. I, Nobody. I That's tough. Right. I you know why it's it's also tough because like the offseason isn't even done. Like there's yeah. a lockout. I assume they'll settle. And then half of the offseason hasn't even occurred. So yeah. I really have no gut feeling about baseball. All right, we'll substitute that then. Who wins the title at WrestleMania? Roman Reigns uh retains. Mm. That's great. Uh, Scott hates wrestling. He doesn't uh, understand. On our network, we have a wrestling uh, Mark side of the ring. We've had on Eric Bischoff. They've had on Peter Rosenberg. I know he's a little competition, but he's a big wrestling fan. Uh, Conrad. We've had on Carlito, Conrad. So we do Conrad. That guy's awesome. Conrad. Yeah. He's an awesome dude. Really good guy. Comes across that way. But um, just not for me. It's just not for me. That's fine. Is. I don't judge, you know. That's all right. Um, I, think I'm all, I think I'm the only listener. There, your uh, post pay per view podcast. I nice. listen to it the next minute. You are the people. Nice. Yes. I'm one of them. You know what, Evan? You know what I say? When you get 20 views on a show, to me, that's 20 people who are willing to go out of their way and listen to you. How many of your friends could actually say that? That's why. Great I point. You have a real good positive attitude sometimes. You got really? it. Because you, you spend your whole time pissed off at Gilbert Brown and Root Beer. You got to be positive <laughs> some other way. Very Don't true. forget about Whoppers, the, the candy Whoppers. I They're up there. Candy Whoppers, the worst thing <laughs> ever. All right, one more question, Evan. And <laughs> you've been generous with your time. And um, I know your wife and kids are probably like, where the hell is dad? He just watched the game. He's probably miserable. So Ryan and- right, would you rather relive the Beltron <laughs> for the rest of your life or the 2011 AFC Championship loss to the Steelers? You wake up every day. It's Dante's hell. What would I rather relive? You wake up and you have a vision of it. Like, oh. He does that anyway. (laughs) In the moment. Like, if if, I'm I'm trying to analyze which one's worse. In the moment. I I will give you an answer. In the moment, the Jet game was worse because I knew leaving Heinz Field, I was there that day. We were never getting back. I knew it was over. I knew that was it. When I walked out of Shea Stadium after the Beltron strikeout, I thought to myself, we're getting back. We will be. Now, was I wrong? Obviously, I was wrong. They choked in 07. They choked in 08. So in the moment, I think the jet loss was worse. But now seeing the way everything's unfolded, they're both really, really awful. I, I think, I don't know. Why do you make me answer this freaking question? How can I answer <laughs> what we do? <laughs> it's got in your head. We have these all the time. We make it, we make it tougher. Yes. We also asked Sal Licata on the one sports show we have, how he felt about the Falcon Super Bowl. And he went on like a 10 minute rant. On- <laughs> oh, 
God, yeah, I mean, I can imagine. So I don't know what I want. I don't want to relive any of this garbage. Yeah. Ever you got to. You got to. One. You got to. All right. The Jet Steeler game. I'll just take that. I agree with that. Hey, you can ask me about the Romo drop snap where I cried like a baby and then drank 14 warm natural lights. Not even- <laughs> that was a horrible moment in my life. I don't know. You guys listen in the recent time period of being a Cowboy fan. Yeah. Like the last 20 years, it's been Are bad you- for you. I, I, I get un- it. It's been unlucky. It's been snake bitten. It's been things that you can't write. You know yeah. what I mean? Like You've had a lot of bad stuff happen to you. Like I don't feel bad for you, but yeah. We're the chargers of the NFC. You just don't understand. It's like, why is this happening? But maybe it's just the uh, the fortunes from the 90s coming back to haunt us. That's why Bingo. I'm wearing the Salt Lake City's B's minor league hat. You know, <laughs> they don't break my heart. It is Good. what it is. <laughs> Evan, really quick, we'll do one last round, but appreciate coming on. Brian Raymond, do you have anything from? I got one one question. Uh, does TJ Watt break the set, uh, sack record tomorrow or Sunday? Yeah, Mark, Mark Gastineau's sack record, because I don't acknowledge Michael Strahan, actually. I was I was going to insert a, well, is someone going to lay down for him the way Brett Favre did Thank for you. Michael Strahan? Same That's still aggravating. I, think, I mean, you know they're, they're playing the Ravens. They're not going to lay down. No, that. I know. That's the whole joke of it, that, you yeah. know, unfortunately, he's not getting that kind of break. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he will. Me too. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And does Jonathan Taylor get to 2,000 yards? He needs 266 versus the Jaguars. No. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. Cooper Cup, does he get Jaguars to Jaguars are going to win that game. Dog, oh, stop. Jags are winning. <laughs> no, they're not. And don't give me this. The Colts haven't won there since 2014, as if that Jags means anything. are winning the game. Okay. Okay. Carson Wentz, baby. Uh, yeah. uh, it's Cooper Cup getting to the 2,000 yard mark. How many yards does he need now? To get 71, there? I believe. He probably will. Around there. Who do they? That's play? a tough. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lean towards no on that one too. Yeah, San Francisco's defense is good. He's had a hell of a year, though, man. He's like one of those rare That's wide receivers where you can make a case is like a legitimate MVP candidate. Yeah. yeah. All right, Evan Riley, thank you, man, for joining us, bro. We'll let you go, but tell everyone where we can catch you, your shows you're on, the morning shows, your Twitter, your wrestling stuff before you go. Well, I'm on the fan 2 o'clock Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. on Saturdays. Sometimes I do a podcast when I'm bored. Uh, you can follow me at Evan Roberts WFAN. I appreciate the invitation to come on. No problem. We enjoyed it. Yeah, they Thank were you. Awesome, bro.